So in contrast to the previous two areas that we did that were very small, central Yarnum is absolutely massive. And as befits an extremely large area, its focus isn't on an individual or an institution. It's on the city itself, the kind of city it is, the kind of place it used to be, the kind of place that it's become, and the kind of people that live there. Can you just describe what is part of Central Yarnum? So Central Yarnum is everything from Yosefka's clinic through to Cathedral Ward. And that's kind of important because Cathedral Ward being blockaded is part of the story. At this point in Yarnum's history, they've turned on the Healing Church. What is Cathedral Ward? Cathedral Ward is basically the central church district of Yarnum. It's where the Grand Cathedral and Erden Chapel are. You can see that it used to connect to central Yarnum, but they have destroyed the bridge that did it. Okay, right. So I want to talk about Yarnum's relationship to outsiders because it defines our character's relationship to the city, but it also tells you a lot about the kind of city it was and its relationship to the world outside. So Yarnum is quite curious in the way that on the one hand, it is clearly this ancient, sprawling metropolis that we only see a little tiny piece of. But also, it's somewhere that's really, really hostile to anyone from outside. So it raises the question of, well, how did it get this huge? How did it get this powerful if it doesn't want to deal with anything else? That's actually a really good question. So if we look specifically at the way that Yarnum is reacting to our presence, we get a kind of picture of its relationship with the outside world. Because Yarnum's insularity and Yarnum's xenophobia exist in tandem with them being very aware of and engaged with the presence of outsiders. When we show up in Yarnum as an outsider... It's not that the Yarnamites are suspicious of us and keeping to themselves, like you would expect somewhere that was very insular. They immediately try to kill us. And they have these militia patrols that are going around the city. Yes, they are hunting for beasts, but their response when they see us is to scream outsider. And that alerts the other Yarnamites to our presence. So clearly Yarnam does have... A relationship with the outside world. It has an established relationship where people are coming and going. And if you look at what is in central Yarnum on the streets, one of the most common things you see is you see suitcases. And if you look at what else is lying around Yarnum, it's horses and carriages. And then later on in central Yarnum, they make a point of there is a whole area that is specifically a dry dock for boats. And the path that we take to where Gascoigne is, that is very specifically a drained aqueduct. So they're not just making you go down streets. They are very, very clearly foregrounding that Yarnum is a place where people travel to. If it was a completely insular city, there would be no need for this stuff. The game also makes a point of identifying most of the NPCs we interact with in Yarnum as outsiders. So Gilbert, the first character we meet, 
is an outsider. Gascoigne is an outsider. Volta and Yamamura are also both outsiders that specifically came to Yarnum to hunt beasts. We also learn that the first of the Hunter of Hunters came from outside of Yarnum. So Yarnum is clearly somewhere that people know about and somewhere that has a very strong relationship with the outside world. It's just at the same time, it's extremely hostile. So let me ask you, how do outsiders learn about Yarnum and find Yarnum? This is a good question because we don't know. How our character learns about Yarnum is something that the game never ever specifies because when our character awakens after the ministration, they very specifically have amnesia and they have forgotten why they came to Yarnum. And as a player, we may have some sort of a, I guess, idea what our character is like because we can pick him from the creation screen. We pick an origin for our character, but that just tells us where we came from. It doesn't tell us how we got to Yarnum. The one thing we do know about our character for sure is that we came to Yarnum looking for pale blood, because the first thing we hear from the minister is, "Oh yeah, pale blood." <laughs> well, you've come to the right place. Our character isn't amnesiac then. We're amnesiac when we wake up, but before we go to sleep, we're not. He's responding to us asking for pale blood. And another interesting thing about pale blood is that. We find a note in the room where we awaken that tells us seek pale blood to transcend the hunt. That note is interesting because it's described as the handwritten scroll. And the way that's written in Japanese is like basically note in someone's handwriting. Like if someone had a distinct handwriting style, it's written like that. The implication there is that we recognize our own handwriting, but because we have amnesia, it doesn't quite make sense to us. It really doesn't make sense if that note was left by someone in Yarnum, because the first character we talk to about Paleblood is the minister, and he doesn't know what it is. And then we leave and talk to Gilbert, and Gilbert doesn't know what it is. So this is not something that people are aware of in Yarnum. It's something that we knew about, and that certain members of the School of Memsis know about, and that Lawrence knew about, but it's a very closely guarded secret. So our character knew something about pale blood, maybe just the word pale blood, when they came to Yarnum. So Yarnum having this odd relationship with outsiders where they're coming and going, but Yarnum are very hostile to them, is something that informs its relationship with the Healing Church. Lawrence, the founder of the Healing Church, is not from Yarnum. He is from Bergenworth. The Healing Church has its roots in Bergenworth. Characters from the Healing Church specifically are dressed like they're from Bergenworth. But Yarnum, the city that hates outsiders, welcomes the Healing Church in and allows them to reach this level of influence, become the most powerful institution in the city. Very, very rapidly. The game is a little cagey on the timeline, but from what we actually see... The Healing Church have only really been in Yarnum for about 20 or 30 years. And in that time, they've become that powerful. So that's kind of ironic, because Yarnum doesn't like outsiders. So Lawrence comes from the school of Bergenworth. Lawrence comes from Bergenworth, and crucially, he comes from Bergenworth with the old blood. So Yarnum is really, really unbelievably old. 
How old? Well, I am going to suggest it is pre-human. Yanam's history is tied up in the Chalice Dungeons. This is another situation where the game is a little weird mechanically about how something works, but if you pay attention to how characters talk about it and how it's described, it becomes clearer. So even though we, our character, is going into the Chalice Dungeons via this strange warping mechanic in The Hunter's Dream, the Chalice Dungeons are very specifically the lower parts of Yana. They're underground. They're just the catacombs of Yarnum. If you go down deep enough, you hit the Chalice Dungeons. Yarnum's history being in the Chalice Dungeons is kind of the story of the Chalice Dungeons. They're an area that's talked about as though they don't really have a story, but they do. As we go deeper into the dungeons and acquire more and more chalices, they tell us more and more about the history of Thumaru. We learn that the Thumerians started off as the servants of the Great Ones. Then, at some point, the Thumerians rebelled and achieved a kind of independence. From that independence, they created their own society, and that society was a monarchy. And it specifies that the monarch of Thumaru was traditionally a woman who would take a ceremonial name with what it says are classical roots as in, she's taking a Thumerian name. And when we get to the very bottom of the dungeon, literally the bottom, we cannot go deeper, the final thing that we encounter in the dungeons is one of those queens. And her name is Yanam. Yanam is a Thumerian name. Yanam is a Thumerian city. What happened was the Thumerians, after they achieved independence and named themselves a queen and formed their own society, they just built up and up and up from underground until they popped out the top. Over time, the Thumerians on the surface just became the Yanamites. They lost some of, but not all of, their Thumerian physical traits, but they retained a lot of Thumerian history and Thumerian culture. Obviously, the city's name is taken from a Thumerian word. We also have, later on, Erden Chapel. Characters refer to that area as Erden. It's a word that they know, but they don't seem to be aware that Erden is actually a great one that inhabits the area. They just remember the name. If we look at the architecture of Central Yarnum, it's a place where they use messengers as gargoyles. The fountain in the square near Gascoigne's house is the same as the fountains that we see in the Chalice Dungeons. There's a lot of other little Thumerian traditions that carry on. There's the burning beasts that we see throughout Central Yarnum. We don't quite see anything that dramatic in the chalices, but we do see them using dead animals as fuel for fires, because... Presumably the smell of the burning flesh is warding off beasts. We also have these coffins that are just lying around, almost casually, which makes Yarnum feel like it is an extension of those catacombs where all those bodies were buried. The other way they get rid of bodies in Yarnum is that they hang them. We see them hanging from the ceiling in the dry dock. We see a lot of hanging bodies in Old Yarnum. And we also see a lot of hanging bodies in Hemwick, which isn't part of Yarnum, but it's from the same roots as Yarnum. 
And hanging bodies and bodies in cages is something that we see a lot in the Chalice Dungeons. It is everywhere. There's probably more bodies hanging than there are in coffins. So when we learn about the Hunter of Hunters, it specifies that they dress as a crow to symbolise Sky Burial. So Sky Burial is a means of corpse disposal where rather than burying a body, it's deliberately left somewhere high and somewhere that is exposed so that carrion birds like crows will come and eat away at the body and dispose of it that way. So you might think that's what they're doing, but it says that they practice that to save people from what they call a blasphemous Yarnum burial. They don't specify exactly what these blasphemous practices are, but Yarnum comes from Thumaru, and we know that the Thumerians were essentially a culture of necromancers. All their rituals involved the use of body parts, so when we go into those chalices, the things we find there are the blood, also the mold that grew on the putrefying flesh. We have the wrists, the backbones, the hair, the stillborn children. So the point isn't exactly what they're doing with the bodies in Yarnum. The point is more that bodies are not safe in Yarnum. So you might get your grave robbed, not because you're buried with things of monetary value, but because your body continues to have value. So because Yarnum comes from this tradition that is all about bodies, that's all about bodily functions and bodily fluids and body parts and the reproduction of bodies and the consumption of bodies, your body continues to be something that people want to control even after you're dead. If you look at the description of the Shining Coins, it says that they might be of value the following day, meaning when the hunt is over. But looking at the state that Yarnum is currently in, there really is no after the hunt anymore, so really nothing matters anymore except for blood and flesh. Thumerians were obsessed with blood. They were essentially a civilization of vampires. And that continued on through Yarnum's history. If you read about Yarnum traditions, they were drinking blood. They were making more blood than alcohol. They were telling stories about outsiders while they sat around drinking blood, even before the healing church were a thing. Other than item descriptions, is there any other evidence of Yarnumite drinking blood? There's a few interesting corpses with pungent blood cocktails on them. Because pungent blood cocktails just... That is, like, that's the blood equivalent of drinking, like, pure vodka. The first corpse that you're likely to get a pungent blood cocktail from is in the dark house near where Gilbert is, and it's on a corpse that is in front of a cabinet, and it's been shot by the guy that lives there. The implication I always took from that is that it's someone who is raiding his liquor cabinet. And there's a corpse in Old Yarnum that's someone with a pungent blood cocktail and they're just leaning against a wall. And that always struck me as like, is this just a guy who is drinking in the street? And Old Yarnum itself is very interesting because there's just blood worship everywhere in that place. It seems to predate anything the Healing Church did because it's the older part of Yarnum. They were always a place that 
because of that origin, even though they may have forgotten where they came from. They have kept those traditions. They have kept the obsession with blood and the obsession with keeping that blood pure. So having established that the healing church are foreigners, but they're also the most powerful entity in this city that hates foreigners, there's this question of, well, how did they get there? How did they achieve this position when logically the town should hate them? Does it have anything to do with blood? Yeah, because when Lawrence first arrives in Yarnum from Bergenworth, what he has with him is the old blood. And as far as we can tell, that's all he had with him. Mm -hmm. Old blood is from the labyrinth. It's from the chalice dungeons. The old blood is literally Yarnum's old blood. And what Lawrence is doing is... He's bringing their own past back to them. So even though Lawrence is an outsider and the Healing Church are outsiders, they have access to that blood. They have control over Yarnum's heritage. They have control over its past, and they show them that blood. And that's how they rise to power. So when we go into the labyrinth and we go to the bottom and we meet Queen Yarnum, that's not the current version of Queen Yarnum, it's the past version. It's the version when she was pregnant, it's the version before Murgo was stolen from her. And the reason we can do that is that the deeper we go, we are actually going back. We're going back further and further in time. The same thing is true of The Hunter's Nightmare, where we start in a memory of the most recent events in Yarnum's history, and the further back we go, we go back and back and back to the beginning until the end of that nightmare is the event that triggered everything that happened in the game. It's the killing of Koz. So what the Healing Church are doing when they mess around with this blood and when they mess around with chalices is that they're just opening up history again. They're opening up the past. They're bringing parts of it back. And you can see Yarnum is starting to revert into being a Thumerian place again. But... Having seized on that, having stoked that fire to rise to power, it's also what ends up destroying them. It's what sends Yarnum against the Healing Church. Once they stop giving Yarnum what it wants, they just become outsiders. Only now they're trapped inside Yarnum. They can't get out. And that leads us to the next area, which is Cathedral Ward. 